and welcome to Rebel Hearts, a podcast dedicated to the rebel girls and riot girls in the music industry and why they matter. Each episode will feature songs by bands you just need to hear. So if you think you're ready, I will see you in the front. Hey guys, and welcome back to Rebel Hearts. This is episode 24, and this is a long-awaited episode by a couple of people. Um, this is going to be the review episode for Lana Del Rey's record, Lust for Life. And as promised, I brought my my Lana Del Rey expert. I brought Pat back, and he's so excited to talk about this record. We've been talking about it all night, um, other than making doodle bob noises prior to this episode being recorded. So here's Pat. He's going to... Uh, talk about how excited he is (laughs) hi guys nice to be back very excited to be here to do a track by track review of lust for life also um a national holiday for me because i've been waiting all year for it to come out i'm so excited it's i basically was an empty shell until it was released but now that it has i would love to share some thoughts with you with everyone about it and how i feel and what it means to me and what it could mean to you So the reason why I wanted to do this review episode is because Pat and I hung out on 4th of July this year and I was driving him home back to his house, which is about like 25 minutes away from me now. Um, I was driving his car and he put on this record for me and a little background. I'm not a big Lana Del Rey fan. I've always tried to get into her, but as Pat always told me, you know, she's not for everybody. You know, you either you're devoted to her or you're not a fan like that zero to a hundred. Like there's only two extremes. You're either a devoted person or you don't care about her. So it was really unfortunate that he loves her so much and I couldn't even get into her because it, it's hard when like your closest friend loves somebody musically so much and you just can't relate, especially for me. You know, I have a women in music podcast and I couldn't relate to Lana Del Rey. So he put on this record and he actually, the first song that uh, he played for me is the first song off the record. It's called Love. Um, he played it for me and it, instantly I was like, holy shit, this is this is a record that I can get into. And Pat loves the song and he's going to kind of take the floor on this episode and I'm going to kind of back him up on my feelings because he knows so much more about this record than I do. He's listened to it more times than I ever will and he's just really devoted to it. So I'm going to let him kind of take the floor on this so we're gonna start with track one it's called love and what do you what do you think about love all right so love was something that was flung out of nowhere at us you know we we went almost two years without a release from lana no singles no album there was talks we knew that she's working on it but she's always working on it you know as soon as she finishes an album she's writing the next and so one day i just i saw this this video on my uh, on my newsfeed, and naturally, I almost had a heart attack. And you know, I played it, and I remember exactly where I was because from that moment on, my life would never be the same. <laughs> beautiful video, but even more so, beautiful song. The subject matter it talks about. It's a great introduction for Lust for Life. I think it's there couldn't be a better track to open the album. Um, Lana has went on record saying that this album is specifically for her fans, you know, nobody else. She writes, she usually writes from her own experiences, which she still does on this record, but this is specifically a love letter to her fans. And the first song is basically, you know, about how much 
she loves us and how much love means to us within the context of our lives. You know, the world is falling apart. I, I don't think that's a secret right now. I mean, every it's hard. It's hard to wake up every morning and be and to be optimistic. But then we have people like Lana who reminds us through uh, this song that you know, yeah, the world's shitty. Yeah, everything's falling apart. But you're young. You love. You're in love, or you love, and that's that should that's more than enough. You know, the song it captures a feeling. It captures a moment. Captures that summer night with friends, you know, driving to a beach and jumping in the water, even if it's for a few seconds. But it captures a certain nostalgia that might not even have happened yet, but it just makes you feel good, makes you feel cared for and listened to. I I love this song mostly because it's a strong opening track, like Pat said. It's just basically Lana and a drum, and it just showcases her talent as a lyricist and a writer. It's really bold, and it just really sets the tone for the record. It makes you want to see what else she has in store for us, and it's just... The, we just watched the video. Pat um, told me to watch it before we started recording this, and um, while we were in the car, we kept talking about what we feel when we um, listen to these songs, like what sort of imagery do we... Um, do we picture which is so cool um if you ever get to experience that with a record it's just it's a really amazing feeling like we were just going back and forth and we're gonna talk about that in further um songs but just to wrap up love it's a great opening track it's really simplistic it really showcases lana's talent as an artist as a lyricist as a singer just really everything just encompasses her in this song and i really encourage everybody to watch the video as well after listening to this episode because it just really paints a better picture than the song even paints and she's so good with imagery and her lyrics so uh here's a couple of seconds of love i hope you guys like it as much as we do All right, so that was the first track from Lust for Life, um, Love. Great song, one of my personal favorites. And now we're on to track number number two, which is the title track of the album. It features The Weeknd. It's called Lust for Life. <laughs> and my, I like this song. I like it. As first time I listened to it, I really liked it. I love the way it opens with the motorcycle. I love how it feels i like that it kind of captures that pre first kiss moment that you have and maybe even some other things <laughs> well we said this was the this was like the makeout song like you guys are in the car and like you're making out for the first time yeah this is like you know yeah taking your boyfriend and girlfriend to i don't know like a lover's life <laughs> And you play this song and everyone's suddenly taking off all their clothes. I mean, that's how the chorus goes. But here's the tea. (laughs) This actually is my least favorite track off the album. And I think it has to do with The weekend. 
I love Lana's part. I love any everything about it. But I think that the weekend's um, verse, and I think that I think that him being on the track is a little bit forced because the um, Lana's a longtime collaborator with the weekend, but she never put him on any of his albums. So I kind of got the feeling that this might have been, hey, like I'm on a couple, I'm on two of your albums, so maybe like I'll put you on one of mine and I don't know it's just I feel like he doesn't add anything to the song but yeah I, I see I don't I don't really mind the weekends part to be totally honest with you like yeah the song will survive without it uh, I mean star girl was an incredible song but it's mostly because it's just all Lana to be honest <laughs> the weekend didn't really have any part of it I mean he's in the song but let's be honest it was Lana's show um, I, I like Lust for Life. It's actually probably my favorite song on the record. Uh, I think his part is, um, it's not really needed, but it being there doesn't hurt the song. Like, I think that their voices mesh so well together. Like, his his voice and her voice, because she is she has her low register, and she's also kind of bassy in her voice, and I think he can go, you know, pretty high, and I think that they just balance each other out. I don't know. If she's going to collaborate with anybody, I think that The weekend is definitely a strong contender. Um, she does collaborate with ASAP Rocky in a couple songs that are coming up, but me personally, I don't think he really hurts or helps the song. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he just, you know, Lana has such a refined aesthetic and she knows exactly what she is going for with every album she puts out. And I just don't think that The Weeknd fits in that mold with her, at least not anymore, maybe during his early days. But I feel like, you know, the star boy really doesn't mesh with Lust for Life. And I don't think he, I don't think he uh, manifests the meaning of the album and what it's trying to convey. So that's why I think that, you know, he just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> no, I hear you. I mean, Pat was also um, a fan of the weekend's records. Um, he's the one that told me that I should uh, listen to. Um, what was that? What was that record? Beauty and beauty breakdown Beauty behind the madness. Beauty behind the madness. Yeah. Pat actually uh, liked that record for a while. So it's actually really interesting that he doesn't think that the weekend really adds much to the song. Um, like I said, I can I can live with him in the song. I can live without him. It's not like a make or break it. But I do think that his voice definitely meshes really well with hers. So yeah, <laughs> less for life. Less for life is a really good song. Uh, like I said, it's one of my favorites. So here's a couple of seconds of that for you guys. So that was track two, the title track off of Lust for Life called Lust for Life. Uh, track three is actually called 13 Beaches. I don't have a lot to say about the song. However, Pat does have a lot to say about the song. So I'm going to let him take the floor in about a second. Um, just want to say a couple quick things. I think it starts super slow. So far, Lust for Life is the fastest track on the record. And I, I believe we were listening to it in the car. It 
it is the fastest track on the record, I think, personally. Um, it kind of sounds like the end credit song is at the end of movies, which isn't a bad thing. I think it actually is a really cool thing. And Lana really shows us her range with her vocals, something I'm not sure that we've ever seen. Uh, I asked Pat at dinner if we've ever really seen that, and he says that she's always pushing her vocals to the next level every record, and I think that's really cool. So that's all I have to say about 13 Beaches, but Pat has a lot to say about it. So what do you think? All right. So for any diehard Lana fan, you will know the pictures of her looking confused, looking annoyed on beaches because she can't find a beach her own, you know, and I relate because the beach is where I go to think, it's where I go to isolate when I need to, and not even isolate in a bad way, just get away from everything, you know. It's a place where you look out into the ocean and it's, you know, it's endless, it's limitless, you can project all your feelings and ideas out there and not have to deal with them but so Lana being in the public eye as she is it's hard for her to even go anywhere without getting recognized because even if you don't listen to her music you hear Lana Del Rey and you know who she is and this song is her talking about how she had to actually visit 13 separate beaches just to find one where she could unwind and relax without having to worry about rabid fans or paparazzi and just have like her privacy. But then it also, it talks about her privacy and isolation as well as the reminder of her loneliness and and how it also reminds her about how she still loves this person and it hurts and the beach reminds them of, of them and, you know, it brings her back and, you know, if they ever do want to find her or if she wants to be found, you know, they'll, she'll be at the beach. She'll be under the pines by the daisies feeling hazy. <laughs> but yeah, so this is one of the um, first few tracks I listened to off the album that really, really left like an imprint on me because it was I first listened to Cherry and then 13 Beaches and just the beginning of the viol- with the violins is reminiscent of born to die and then she goes into her like very dynamic vocals you know she starts off slow and it builds into this like swelling of a symphony of music where she hits these very high and lofty notes and it's beautiful and it's more it's almost mournful in a way but yeah, but very good track. <laughs> 13 Beaches actually reminds me of the original Summertime Sadness, not the shitty remix version that was jammed down our throats the summer that it came out. What was it like summer 2012, 13? What song, uh, what, when did that song come out? It's the remix that never should have been made. You know? uh, who, ma- who made that remix? Somebody, they took it, they made it, it got more famous than the actual summer Summertime Sadness track. I didn't even know that was a real song. Like I thought that the remix was the real version and pat's like no you fucking crazy you have to listen to the original version it is so sad and i did and i was like shit yeah it it completely (laughs) annihilates the original meaning of the song and turns it into something that is kind of shallow and some like and not nothing against electronic music but you don't take a Lana Del Rey song and turn it into a dance club remix. It just doesn't work that way seriously it, it it is the dance club remix song of that year and it's really like the sad, really poetic, dreamy song. It was so crazy to hear the original. 
It really was. It it is a it's a different it's a world of difference. But yeah. <laughs> so stop remixing Lana Del Rey songs because we don't like it and it makes no sense. Nobody likes it. <laughs> Nobody likes it. So here's a little bit of Thirteen Beaches for you guys. But you still can find me if you ask nicely underneath the pines with the daisies feeling hazy in the ballroom of my mind across the county line it hurts to love you but I still So that was track three called 13 Beaches. Uh, We're going to move on to track four. It's called Cherry. I personally think that this album is super drum heavy and I absolutely love it. Um, Paris did it really well with their new record, All We Know of Heaven, All We Need of Hell. I talked about it in my review episode for that record and finding out that Lynn did almost all the drums on it made it even more special to me. I think for Lust for Life, Lana perfected such a great beat for the whole thing so far. She proves you don't need huge production to have a great record. Cherry shows that Lana is a star for a reason. Her voice paired with her lyrics just take you somewhere else. I think that the chorus alone just really brings you out into somewhere that's outside of where you are even if you're in a really good situation I think it just brings you to another good situation so I I know you have a lot of feelings about it so what do you think about Cherry? All right so Cherry is the song that I basically waited forever for you know it's her sexiest song yet and she was performing it live even before the album came out and I know her fan base went crazy for it whether it was just the drums the drop she does during it or the lyrics themselves you know and I think for me the lyrics are the best part because she references everything sexy without being uh, without being overtly obvious about it but it's also beneath like the sex sexiness of it it's basically questioning is she in love and she she's not even sure but she knows that what she has right now she will um die for and that's why she like even in the lyrics they say it's smiling when the firing squad's against you and you stay lined up because that's what real love makes you want to do you want to lay yourself on the line for that person which is weird because it sounds it's almost like um a mix it's almost like a mixed signal song you know it, it has this very sultry drum heavy beat and the lyrics are cherries and wine and peaches and dripping wet and all this but then if you look deeper into the song it's basically her saying like I love you I'm not sure if you love me but all I know is that I would do anything for you and when you're around I can't help but to fall to pieces which is very 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 much what launched her into like the stratosphere of alternative pop in the first place with born to die because it was a basically born to die was about her willing to die for love and this is going back to her roots almost and having like that toxic relationship where you know she 
she'll be happy dying for this person. But also, she doesn't even know if they love them, if she, if they love her back. So it's, it's a very interesting song. It's definitely a first listen if you listen for anybody, a, more of a poppy song that's very even radio friendly, but has a darkness to it. That's that, that's basically Lana Del Rey, <laughs> like summed up in a nice little present for Christmas. That's Lana Del Rey. Um, Cherry, Cherry is a fantastic song. I love the song personally, so I hope you guys like it too. Here's a little bit of that. All right, so that was Cherry, track number four. And so track number five is called White Mustang, another fan favorite, personally, one of my lesser favorites. It's not that I don't like it. It's just that I feel like I've heard Lana do this song before. And not that it's bad, everything she does is great, but, you know, it's just very familiar to me. And it's also the shortest song on the album. But yeah, it basically um, kind of just rehashes the, uh, you know, I love you, but I can't be with you. You know, you're 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 bad. You're crazy. Like I can't be with you, but I want to be with you, but I have to leave. And that's basically what the song is. You know, yeah, I, like everything changed when you pulled up in your white Mustang. So like the first time she saw him, every her whole life changed, and she knew she'd never be the same. And that she, he was a he was a wild Mustang. He couldn't be controlled. He's a, like a, a stallion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's an Italian stallion. But yeah, so somebody who she couldn't control, who she really wanted to be with, but she knew she had to walk away. So it's kind of like a familiar theme for Lana. But um, yeah, it's one of a uh, it's a single. It's one of the fan favorites. Personally, I do think that there are much better songs on this record than White Mustang, but it doesn't mean it's bad. Definitely worth a listen. Everybody said you're a killer, but I couldn't stop the way I was feeling the day your record dropped. The day I saw your White Mustang. Your White Mustang. The day I saw your White Mustang. All right, so that was White Mustang. That was track number five. And now we are on to track number six, which is Summer Bummer. This was released along with Groupie Love because Lana fans aren't satisfied with anything and they can't just wait for an album to drop. They either have to leak the songs or make her release them before she wants to. And I'm glad she did, though, because Summer Bummer was and is one of my favorites off the album. It is very sonically different from pretty much anything she's ever done and it's definitely experimental and along with asap rocky it works very well it's dark it's 
I mean, kind of is provocative. And ASAP Rocky's verse fits very well into it. It's he definitely adds something to the song, which you know a lot of Lana's fans don't even want features, but I think everyone was very okay with this feature. And you know, it talks about a little bit more. Uh, I want to say mature themes, but I guess more vulgar. I mean, she goes and talks about white lines, which is cocaine. Obviously, we all know. Lana has an, an affinity for some sugar, booger, booger sugar. Um, but yeah, very good, very bass heavy, very hip hop, very different from the rest of the album. It's one of those songs where you just kind of like me and Pat were listening to it in the car, like the volume super loud. And I said, it's like a bounce song. It's like you're kind of bouncing to it. You know, it's very, it's very hip hop and it's so well done. You know, Ace, I, I even said it. Uh, to Pat I said I don't know if Lana Del Rey had ASAP Rocky in mind when she wrote the song but if she didn't then my hat is off to her because he fits perfectly it's like a glove how he fits in it she just she knows how to do everything like she's just so good at what she does like there's just no other way to describe it you know she made this song for him and not not for him, but she made the song for him to feature in it. It is so cool. You know, it's just so bob your head, you know, have a good time. You know, let's let's kind of, you know, chill out. Let's chill out and have a good time. Yeah. No, I think that's like the epitome of the song is cool. It's just a very cool song. These are two cool people, two very like fashionable, sexy, sophisticated people. And you know, Lana and ASAP, this isn't the first time they collabed either. You know, he uh, starred in the National Anthem video and they do have an unreleased song called Ride In Together, which personally should have been released because it's, it's an incredible song. And I think Lana and ASAP are just kind of two peas in a pie when it comes to music. You know, they're very assured in their musical dire- direction and they work very well off of each other. I totally agree. Here's a little bit of summer bummer. Truthfully, between you and me, I'm usually single when it's hot outside the side, ride through any hood with the top out. Hop out, hop out. Hip hop in the summer. Don't be a bummer, babe. Be my undercover lover, babe. Mm. High tops in the summer. So again, that was track six called Summer Bummer. It's the first of two collabs with ASAP Rocky on this record. Track seven is Groupie Love. It's the second uh, ASAP Rocky track that she has. I personally think that Summer Bummer is a lot better. I think it's a stronger contender on the record. I think it's more cool. You know, you bob your head to it. It's it, it's a cool song. Like we keep saying it, but that's the epitome of when you think of cool, you think of songs like that. You think of that hip hop vibe. You think of that, like, yeah, this is really chill. This is me hanging out. I, you know, I'm in my car. I'm just kind of here. I'm driving. It's a, it's a great time. Groupie love doesn't really do it for me, to be honest. You know, I think it's a weaker song. I think it's a weaker collab song. I think the the weekend collaboration was a little stronger, in my opinion. I like I like ASAP Rocky. I like his collaborations with Lana, but I think that this one was a little weaker, in my opinion. And I know that fans feel a little different about that. Uh, Pat was telling me. I don't know. 
if he has a lot more to say about it than I do, to be honest. But Summer Bummer was definitely a lot better, in my personal opinion. I don't know what you have to think about Groupie Love, but... I think Groupie Love is uh, the safer of the two. And I know it's most likely more the fan favorite, especially when the two were released at the same time. Everyone really sided with Groupie Love immediately. And the production on it is very hypnotic. It's romantic. And what I think I find most interesting about the song is the idea of it, of this groupie love. And it's a different type of love. You know, it's it's somebody who's such a fan of another person. They might not even realize who they are. They just know them as this enigmatic thing on stage. And they're a groupie and they love them. They don't know why they love them. They just know they do. It's like this complete devotion. They're at every show. They're front you know, they're front and center and like the person looks out into the crowd and they see them and like they love them. They love that groupie because of how devoted that groupie is to them. And I think Lana is like, it's interesting that she addressed it this way and she made a whole song about it like saying like, you want that groupie love. Like you want that love with no strings attached. You want someone devoted to you. But I think Lana completely relates if there was any a person who can relate to that it's Lana you know she oozes sex appeal and men just finds her irresistible and men and women finds her irresistible it's hard not to be attracted to her so I think she's coming from a point of you know from it's like her own point of view like she knows what it feels like and she knows what it feels like to be the groupie also because she has a tendency to fall in love with these artists and producers and she's a fan of them. And so I think it's very interesting for her to be on both sides of this track. Although I do prefer Summer Bummer, I understand the appeal of groupie love. And I think like the main winning point of groupie love is the production on it because it it is beautiful. It's there's it like it puts you in a trance and along with her voice and even uh rocky's verse on it you know it's very trance like and it kind of makes you feel like you are at that show at that venue looking at these beautiful untouchable people on stage and for a second you are that groupie i i agree with what pat has to say with the with what lana has to say about the groupie love because we, I just did an episode about how I feel that celebrity and fame is all this social construct. And I, I truly believe that. And I know Pat totally agrees with that. It's just, I, there, there's so many sides to the whole fan, um, fan idol thing. And it's, it's super weird to me, you know, it's super weird knowing that there's people that are put on this pedestal that will literally never meet or get to know like maybe we will get to meet them but we'll never get to know because they're they're unattainable because we made them unattainable you know we put forth fame and celebrity we created that as a society and it's really sad because you know maybe maybe one day we would see Lana work walking down the street and in that moment you might be starstruck because that's what you're taught you know you've been lusting after this person for such a long time you've been a fan of this this woman's music but you'll never get to know her because we've made her unattainable and it's just kind of sad because we there's so many people in this life that we probably want to get to know but we can't because they're unattainable because they're rock stars or they're superstars or they're actresses or they're this or that and it's I don't know I just kind of went off on a tangent on that but (laughs) I like I like the idea behind groupie love because 
Lana is talking about a no strings attached relationship. You know, that groupie, as long as they're not attacking you or invading your privacy, you know, they're devoted to you. And I think that's pretty awesome that you have somebody that's going to love you forever and not stalk the shit out of you and, you know, try and get your social security and date of birth and all of this. So as long as you're being harmless about it and you support an artist and you show up to all their shows and you just you know, love them for who they are and you don't try to get anything else out of that. I think that's awesome. And I love that Lana's here for that. So here's a little bit of groupie love. Tell us what you think about it. So again, that was track seven called Groupie Love, the second collab with ASAP Rocky on the record. Track number eight is called In My Feelings, and it's a really incredible song. We haven't stopped listening to it since we started hanging out today. I think it's just a really cool song again because it's almost the halfway mark between the the record in itself is four different uh, sides. It's A, B, C, and D. This is the second to last song off side B. So it almost transitions into the second half of the record. And it's just, it's bassy. It's cool. It just really gets a mood going. You know, you can picture yourself somewhere when you listen to this song. Uh, uh, Lana has a really good way of being poetic and taking you somewhere else. And she's just exuding her natural sex appeal on this song it's just really sultry and sexy and it's just it really is a great song to almost get you to the halfway mark of this uh whole lust for life journey i know pat has a lot to say about this song so i'm gonna kind of let him take over but i love in my feelings i love in my feelings too (laughs) it has me in my feelings um this song is notorious because you know, she at her album listening party, she sang this song and she said, you know, I can name people, but I won't. And then she made her hands into the letter G, which is referencing G-Eazy, this man that she was with for a hot second, who I guess had her in her feelings. But, you know, the that's the old Lana. The old Lana was in her feelings about everything. But now she is a more... Um, self-aware Lana she's a more strong and empowered Lana and she doesn't like when people have her in her feelings and she knows that you know some people will use her to get to where they want to be and she even says in a song you're basically with me and that's why anybody knows your name so why you have me in your feelings I'll be fine without you I'm still laughing while I'm making this money I'm crying while I'm coming you know like she um she is completely acknowledging her um what would you call it her status as this as a sad girl who's always in her feelings you know she's acknowledging that she is that girl in music who is always writing about love and heartbreak and leaving and you know like the un like the star-crossed lovers and all that and she's saying you know what yeah, like, don't get me in my feelings anymore. I don't want it. And I think that's that's incredible. It's kind of her taking a stand and being like, 
don't don't try to use me because I really don't need you and you need you need me more than I need you and if you don't like that then get out of my way you know I love it I think it's the ultimate fuck you song I think it's a great diss track without it being known as a diss track I didn't know that until Pat told me he's like let me tell you what this song is about so you don't need to be outwardy outwordly wordy uh, outworldly <laughs> I know <laughs> I don't know how to talk you guys know this it's this episode 24 I don't know how to use the English language I'm sorry um but I just think that uh it's a diss track without having to tell you it's a diss track and I think that's incredible and I think it just shows that Lana Del Rey is living in 2030 while we're living in 2017 so don't get Lana in her feelings but this is in my feelings I'm smoking while I'm So again, that was track eight called In My Feelings. Track nine is called Coachella. We just finished listening to the record on vinyl. I don't know if you guys just heard it, but the song just ended and my record player is about to drop the needle. <laughs> it's another bounce track. The lyrics are super blunt and obvious. It's obviously about Coachella. It's obviously about a guy. There's no hiding what she's trying to say. The production is, again, amazing. The layering of her vocals are captivating. Again, really clever drums. Could be argued for another hip-hop style track if you wanted to get into it basically lana just knows what the fuck she's doing and pat told me that he has a lot to say about this song but man another good track it's another it's amazing it's a great way to end the first half of the record because it was the last song of side b so uh, i just want you to take it away i know you have a lot to say about it all right, so this is another track that almost made Lana's entire fan base jump off a cliff. Everyone was anticipating this album so much. They thought it was going to be... Everyone had their own vision of what the album will, would be like or could be like, and then she released this. And personally, I loved it. I couldn't stop listening to it for a couple weeks. I listened to it multiple times a day. I really liked it. A lot of people absolutely hated it. But as far as the album the chronological order of the album we are getting more to the political side of it the politically charged portion of the album which um lana has said that you know this would be this is about this album's more about politics and you know what it means to be living in the time we're living and how it affects her fans and herself and all these young people and that's exactly what coachella woodstock in, in my mind is about this is a song that she thought of and conceived while she was watching Father John Misty perform at Coachella with, along with um, his wife in the audience, who is a very good friend of Lana's. Um, and on her way home, she couldn't help but stop to pull over and sit down and write this song. And if you follow her, you might remember uh, her posting a video of her just sitting in the middle of a forest, 
singing the lyrics to this song and it was beautiful and everyone thought it was gonna be this like beautiful slow acoustic song and that when it was released with um more of a synth and like uh bassy drums it was it was kind of jarring because everyone had their own uh vision of this song and what it could be but other than the production it's a very politically charged song it's talking about how how could we possibly be at a place like Coachella and be enjoying ourselves when you're in the news we're hearing about the threat of nuclear holocaust and how North Korea is going to launch a bomb any second and how our president is botching all these diplomatic affairs how could we possibly be sitting there and trying and enjoying ourselves and she has this breakthrough of maybe that's all we can do and that goes along with you know songs like love and when the world was at war you know maybe sometimes the only thing we can do is wish well for ourselves and other people and listen and you know when times are tough maybe to enjoy our life even more and i get that's what the root of the song about is about it's about her looking out into the audience and seeing all these young people whose lives having haven't even begun yet and thinking their lives could be ended you know very they could be cut short if not i mean something as dramatic as death you know there's all these different threats that are threatening the young people and she's thinking like what can i do as a person who's being who's in this uh media spotlight and who has a massive, massive following. Like, what can I do to help them? And then she kind of says in the song, you know, I would do anything. I would give up all the fame I've had. I would give up all the work, the like the riches, if I could just know the answers to life's questions and what I could do to not only help the world, but help myself and what I can do as a celebrity to improve the world for other people because not many people are given the opportunity that she has. Even though she works for it, she still wants to use her platform to make a change. And then once we um, go on to more tracks, you from here on out, it's going to be a very political record. You know, Half of it is about her personal feelings and how they relate to her own fans. And then to what do we do? Like, what do we do in this time? That's, like she says, not very different from others have experienced. And how can we make a difference, whether that's dancing while the world's at war, caring or just caring for each other or trying to get free and find our own freedom. So I think it's a um, very interesting track. Very, It was very last minute, very spontaneous, which I think has a huge appeal and it kind of makes it raw. And that's like very, very uncommon in a lot of albums that are being released lately. I mean, even Pat just said it gets very political from here on in. And the next track is called God Bless America. I mean, I said it in a previous episode, the Lana Del Rey um, article from Nylon that they did saying why she won't use the American flag in her visuals anymore. And it's because of Trump. And I think that it just stand on stands on its own, her political views and how she's kind of 
getting her fan base on board to listen to, hey, this is fucked up. I mean, everyone knows it's fucked up, but to have such a platform, I mean, Lana Del Rey is a household name. So for her to be using her platform like that, especially not using the American flag in her visuals anymore because of this, I mean, it's incredible. And I'm here for, I'm here for things getting political. I know a lot of baby boomers do not like when, quote unquote, things are political. Like, why does the Super Bowl have to be political? Why does everything need to be about politics? Because it's our fucking life it's our this is this is the world we're living in i mean trump is affecting the generation that we're in he's not affecting the baby boomers the baby boomers shouldn't even be allowed to fucking vote because they're ruining our future i mean how many of your friends that you know are in our generation i mean we're in our 20s how many people are you friends with or maybe even yourself are greatly affected by this how many people do you know in the lgbtq community that are greatly affected by this how many people of color do you know that are affected by this i mean this is a huge deal this isn't just like voting for someone just for shits and giggles and haha trumpy bears on commercials and he sold this stupid ass orange hat for 45 dollars like this isn't a game this is people's lives you know the trans ban that was the thing that he wanted to do the Muslim ban. That was the thing that happened. This wall is apparently getting prototypes. Like, this shit is real. And I think that being political is super important. And I think that any artist that is going to be political in the right direction should be stood back, stood behind. And I think that we as a generation need to back up these artists. So, this is track number nine. It's called Coachella. I hope you guys like the message that Lana has because it's really important. Trade it all for a stairway I take my time for the climb up to the top of it. I trade the fame and the fortune and the legend. I'd give it all away if you give me just one day to ask him one question. All right, guys. So Lana Del Rey has 16 songs on Lust for Life. You guys just heard track number nine, which is Coachella, which is actually the last song of Side B on her vinyl version. So we're actually going to turn this into a two part uh, review episode. Pat's going to come back in uh, a week from today. Today is Monday, the 30th. Happy Halloween Eve, guys. Don't do anything fucking stupid. Um so we're going to turn this into a two-parter because obviously we have a lot to talk about. This is already almost an hour long. So we want to make sure that you guys get quality content and we don't make it too long so you don't get bored. So this is part one of two parts. I hope you guys got something from it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you come back for part two. And yeah, I hope you I hope you like Lust for Life because this was a really exciting episode to do. As somebody who's not a Lana Del Rey fan, I really like this record and I'm really happy that we're getting to talk about it. I'm so glad Pat's by my side doing this because he's the Lana Del Rey person. If you ever want to talk about Lana Del Rey, find him. I'll give you his social media, maybe, if you're nice and you're not weird. I won't give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe if you guys are nice i'll link you to pat's uh social medias and you guys can uh, follow him and all of his lust for lana because he's seeing her in january and maybe i'll come maybe i'll have him come on and he'll gush about how exciting it was <laughs> so if i'm still alive 
I'm hoping I'm hoping he is. He's one of my only friends. So if something <laughs> if something happens to him, I'm kind of fucked. So yeah. So that was part one. I hope you guys stick around for part two. Um, Patrick's gonna go carve his pumpkin because he's been carving Pennywise from it for like eight hours. How long have you been carving this pumpkin? been three hours but uh, three hours more <laughs> so he's gonna spend the rest of the night on it <laughs> so yeah that's <laughs> that's really it uh we're gonna end this episode pat's gonna go carve a bitchin pumpkin and we'll see you guys next week so get excited because the second half of this record gets really fucking wild and pat has so much to say about it so yeah all right see you soon <laughs>